0: Sex at speakeasy is not for children. No speakeasies are for children. We will be using very adult language.
1: Very, very, very adult language. This is Sex at Speakeasy, the podcast where we take deep dives into the history of sex and even deeper dives into our drinks. I'm Angel Russell, board-certified sex educator.
0: And I'm Steve Russell. I think pineapple is great on pizza. Oh. And Neapolitan-style pizza is fine.
1: What's Neapolitan-style pizza?
0: It's uh like the, the wood-fired oven, super high-temp, very, very thin, crispy crust that has like blobs of mozzarella on it and everything.
1: Is that a thing people argue about?
0: Oh, everybody calls it like the holy grail of pizza. It's all right. It's a little boring for me.
1: I guess. That's how pizza it was when I went to Italy, though. Yeah, sure. And it was pretty tasty. It's fine. But I was nine, and pizza's amazing when you're nine. Yeah. (laughs) So, Jerry's going to write in with his opinions about pizza. Jerry is our um, moderator, uh, one of our moderators in our Facebook groups. Uh, the Professor Sex Facebook groups. And um, he is a the biggest pizza lover I know next to like a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> so <laughs> he's, he's got a Ninja Turtle level.
0: Maybe love. he's a turtle in a man suit.
1: Maybe he is. Maybe he's keeping it secret. Maybe we'll never know. That's funny. Okay, so let's do this again. This is uh, episode four of Sex on Speakeasy. And we are talking about the comma sutras today.
0: What the Kama the, Sutra. The
1: face you just made, like, this eye twitchy, like, my face? Eye, that made, my like, eye
0: literally twitched. Oh, okay, so I was like, what did I do?
1: <laughs> All right, before we get too far into anything, let's head over to my favorite segment. We'll just kick right off with it. A pair with Aaron. And we are being joined by Aaron. Hi, Aaron. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm good. You, you I'm less good because you picked gin and tonic.
0: Spoiler alerts.
2: I did. I did so first off a gin and tonic is one of my go-to cocktails and that's not why i picked it though i spent a lot of time looking right because i think i've, I've figured out what y'all do right so you intentionally try to pick a topic that i can't pair a drink with and when i do it you make it even harder Right, so the first one, you were, you were softballing it in for me. You're like, oh, 1970s. I was like, I could probably figure that out. Then <laughs> you're like, okay, we're going to make it a little harder. 1700s. <laughs> okay, I see what you're doing. So I find a drink from the 1700s. And then you go and hit me with 600 freaking BC. For that. <laughs> uh,
1: it's like, um, it's like, that's really the show. The show isn't, is got nothing to do with sex ed. It's really just okay. like, there's like a whole panel of people that have all placed bets on how long it's going to take you to be like, fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and we
0: make sure to reject like the first three drinks that you, that offer you suggest
1: up. yeah so that so that right. they make it as hard for you as possible so i didn't i did know that this one was a little bit more of a challenge for you and so um i didn't pull my i hate gin card I was like, oh, I'm gonna give it a real. I haven't had a gin and tonic in a really, really, really long time. So we bought the that we got that like Hendrix Lunar Gin to make the mm-hmm. last drink that had gin in it, and I liked the drink. So I'm hoping that it's because I really like this gin.
2: The nice thing with gin is there's there's a quite a bit of variety because what gives it the flavors botanicals that are added, right? So some have more juniper and some have less, and some have you know more floral, fruity uh, additives and things like that So if you if you don't like gin, you just might not like the gin you've tried.
0: So here's my question is yes. um I think of gin drinks, right? And I'm thinking about James Bond. I'm thinking about Casablanca. I'm thinking about The Great Gatsby. Breakfast at Tiffany's. But I don't think about Anything having to do with the Kama Sutra.
2: Right. <laughs> Which is funny because I looked at a couple of drinks before selecting this one. And I was like, that one kinda works, that one kinda works. And then when I when I did some more research, I was like, This is perfect. I should have thought of this before. Which again you wouldn't think of when it comes to the Kama Sutra. So again, you know, I tried to go with drinks that are about about the the era. This one I went more cultural. So as with a, a lot of the countries in, in Asia, a lot of their really historical drinks aren't, aren't really mixed drinks, but different types of beverages based on different fermented fruits or grains or things from the region, right? So, I mean, there is absolutely alcohol 600 years, 600 years ago. Wow, that's where I'm at. It's been a long, long week. And Cody is whining again. Let me let Cody out. <clears throat> I was going to say there is absolutely alcohol in 600 B.C., um of course you know one of the oldest alcohols they think was probably mead gross which is a fermented the for another yeah probably the first alcohol is probably mead a fermented honey you know followed shortly thereafter by different fermented grains and, and we could get all into that because you know you know me I'm, I'm pretty big into fermentation but we're really focusing on distillation which is why we haven't we haven't done a drink that is simply fermented here yet so i was looking and there's some pretty neat like regional beverages but I couldn't find any of them that were really available to pick up around here. Plus, it's kind of fun to make a cocktail. So I didn't just want to say, open the glass, you know, or to open the bottle and pour it in the glass.
0: Okay, because uh, I just got cans of gin and tonic.
2: (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Okay. So, step one, go back to the store.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Go back in time.
1: Okay, so what's our... um, Oh, wait. So, hold on. We need to grab the cutting board i haven't thing.
0: even answered your question yet
1: oh yeah that's
2: so true. i was doing a lot of research on different cocktails from that area and a lot of them are really contemporary or a lot of them are almost uh cultural appropriation versions of them that people have made over here they're you know, like i want to put this spice in or that spice on that being said uh, the cocktail scene in india really is blowing up that was gin and tonics it's one of the original cocktails in india believe it or not it was actually invented in india ditto didn't see that coming did you did yeah, not see so- that coming Again, as with drinks this old, I mean, this drink is several hundred years old. Uh, they thought it originated by the British East India Company when they were occupying over there and they needed treatments for malaria. Quinine was one of the, the treatments for it back then. The problem is, um, no one liked to drink it.
0: <laughs> Sounds gross.
2: Right? I think Angel's like, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Look at those smart people. <laughs> so the gin and tonic was invented to make it more palatable. Okay. Okay.
0: Oh, because quinine is so gross. So if you are either too drunk to notice or just cover it with enough gin, then gin, you can exactly. I mean, but the thing is, like, it was it was there to cure malaria. Yes. And so, why are people whining that their medicine tastes bad? <laughs> That's what it does, oh. or is this like a real classic, like spoonful of sugar type moment?
1: It just it's like if I was like I refuse to take NyQuil cuz it's disgusting.
2: <laughs> we could we can make a cocktail with NyQuil if you uh If you want to, then they're
1: done that. I mean, that would be funny. (laughs) No, let's not do that. (laughs) I did watch somebody um, on TikTok take a shot of NyQuil out of uh, those shot glasses from Jacksonville Beach that have the boobs on them. (laughs) And they put their NyQuil in the, and they were like, when you're sick, but you're still from Jacksonville. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) so that was funny. And they made me want to do all my medicine shots out of shot glasses. (laughs)
2: Do you have the ones from Jacksonville Beach?
1: No, I really need a boob shot glass. I I have other shot glasses, but I don't have boob shot glasses, which is just an oversight on the part of everyone who loves me.
2: (laughs) There's a, there's a guy here in Springfield, uh, Bobby K. He has a a shop. I love Bobby K. Yeah. Bobby K is awesome. Shout out to Bobby K. Anyways, he has these, um, boob planters that I've almost got you like 90 (sighs) times. I've seen his
1: boob planters and I want one. Yes. Is there, does he have an online shop? Should we, I think he has an online shop and we can link to that in the he show He does, notes. yeah. His
2: his husband, uh, Jonathan, runs the online shop side.
1: Okay, yeah. Then we can link to his. Are you like a lot of a lime it's, or a little bit of a lime person? Loaded up. All right, cool. All right. Sorry, we're still right, listening.
2: Let's talk about gin and tonic. Yes. <laughs> I'm cutting limes okay.
1: while we're chit-chatting, so. Well,
2: this is such an easy drink to make and you can make it as weak or strong as you like. Uh, the... You're either going to go one-to-one as high as maybe three-to-one. When my mom makes them, it's about a nine-to-one or <laughs> nine times as much tonic as gin.
1: Oh, it's a nine-to-one. To, oh, I, see, I thought you were calling uh. your mom an alcoholic. So
0: this no. is this is like a good... um oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, what? Nine-to-one what now? Aaron, or, Steve, this is a what?
0: No, I'm, I'm sorry. I, you guys were on the, the train of, of joke, and I, I'm watching like... Angel, make the drink before you tell them how to do it. And um, Believe
2: it or not, this is one that, that doesn't have that many steps
0: to it. Yeah, I know, but they're putting everything into the shaker.
2: Shaker? You don't always make this drink with the shaker. Can you make this drink with the shaker?
0: Well, no, because it'll, be, it, it'll get less fizzy, right?
2: Well, yeah, and that's one major problem, obviously, because you're using a carbonated beverage. Right. Usually what you do, you fill the glass with ice, you pour the gin over, you add your tonic water, and for those of you who don't know, when we were talking about quinine before, quinine is one of those main ingredients in real tonic water. You know a a fun way to see if your tonic water has quinine in it? How? Blacklight. You put yeah, blacklight. It glows under a blacklight.
0: That's wild. Why?
2: Because the quinine glows under a blacklight. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so so Do I was going to say. Do you know why?
2: My knowledge only goes so far.
0: Uh, so I was going to say, like if. Like this is a drink that's like I've always seen made in the glass and if you're saying it's like two to one or three to one four to one whatever then it's like one of those where you really don't even need to measure right you just like
2: right you, you make it to the strength that you like I usually go about three to one I'm like I like mine a little bit lighter
0: yeah because I'm just saying like if you're doing three to one you just pour gin up to here and then tonic up because you don't want to like be measuring out tonic over and over no and but over I wanted to measure out my
1: gin So I just wanted to, like, see how much gin I was putting in, so I had some frame of reference if I made it again. like, what did I do? But, all right, we'll just eyeball it then. But I've already started this, so.
2: When I have a gin and tonic, I usually don't stop at one. So what I can do is I can judge how much I like the first one based on how, you know, how I need to change the percentages for my next one.
1: What do I do with the bitters?
2: Right. So that's the fun thing about a gin and tonic is there's all sorts of different interpretations. Right, So some people add bitters. We like to add grapefruit bitters to ours a lot over here. We actually don't buy tonic water. We buy tonic syrup and mix it with carbonated water. So there's really a lot of ways that you can get, get quite bougie with it. So you don't need it. If that's something you would like, though, you can add it. I mean, a, a classic gin and tonic is ice, tonic water, gin, lime wedge, or lime slice depending on how you want to garnish your glass
1: i did a lime wedge just because i remember doing lime wedges when i was a bartender
2: i always do a lime wedge. you get i like to squeeze the lime into it and it's so much easier to squeeze a wedge than is a slice i mean slices are sexy but eh. so if you're trying to find ways to to explore the gin and tonic and find ways you might like it more i definitely recommend trying different bitters
1: if i have orange bitters like how much bitters should i I usually have done.
2: Start with a drop. Just like a drop. Okay. A drop it and then go a swizzle on. swizzle stick
1: would be good right now. Mm-hmm. I'll use the knife.
2: You got other spices here if you want. Cardamom.
1: Oh, cardamom would be a good spice in here. Now I feel like I'm on Bake Off. Mm-hmm. These <laughs> <laughs> a lot of cardamom on Bake Off.
2: Have you watched that baking show where it's like the, the kitchen investigation show?
1: No, what's that?
2: Adam and not I binged that in like two days. So basically it's a baking competition and you go in and they have a, a kitchen where they have made whatever it is you're supposed to bake and you have to use your detective skills to try to determine what it was. And then you recreate it.
1: Oh, it's like the, um, I mean, do we not watch Bon Appetit anymore? But it's like the Chris, what's it? Morocco bit where he like,
0: well, I mean, these people can look at the stuff, right? What do you mean? Look at the stuff. Well, like they can look at whatever they're, they have to make, right?
2: Yes. Yes. They look at what, they walk into a kitchen where there's like, there might be a piece of parchment paper here, or there might be a, you know, a rolled up tube of this over there, and they got to take all those things and try to figure out what to make, and then they just make it, you know, in the, their kitchen. They can see and do all that kind of stuff.
0: Okay. I I was looking at baking impossible, which is like. Um...
2: This isn't with Robert Irving, is it?
0: Oh, I have no, 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 no. I don't think so. Uh, this is no kitchen impossible. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. (laughs) No, uh, this is, uh, you get a professional baker and like a professional engineer together and they have to make like a battle bot out of cake or something like that. Or, or like a, a suspension bridge that actually works, you know?
2: So, um, yeah what are you guys doing after this podcast we should binge that for the next eight hours i don't have to work tomorrow i totally do fine.
1: i was gonna say wait do you do to work <laughs> that's awesome <laughs>
2: okay so I worked 10 hours today it was awesome anyways
1: so i made i made them made gin and tonics they've got a big old squeeze of lime in them and they are just as not my favorite thing as i remember but it's juicy tapping. I can happy.
2: tell based on your voice when you're like, I made them, which is Ugh. kind of the same way like my wife would be like, I picked up the dog poop. <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> I mean, it's probably good. It's good gin, it's good tonic. The bitters are like the Angostura bitters that everybody gets.
0: It's the Angostura mm-hmm. orange.
1: It was Angostura orange. Oh. So oh. did
2: you do bitters and lime? I did. <laughs> Hoping to hide as much of the gin flavor. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, or the tonic flavor. I don't know what it is about a gin and tonic I don't like. Maybe I don't like tonic. Maybe it's not the gin that I have an issue with.
2: Try, do you have any sitting there you can just try a sip of?
1: Um, not, I don't have a glass for it. I guess I could put just a little bit here. Hold on.
2: Tonic has a medicinal taste to it.
1: I don't like gin either. So it's it's both. It's the gin <laughs> and the tonic. It's, yeah, neither one How of these. How do you feel
2: about lime wedges?
1: The whole thing is really um, not an angel drink, <laughs> but like I'll drink it because I'm I'm in this. I'm committed to the experiment here. But I don't know how much of it's going to end up getting drank before Steve just takes over from me. <laughs>
0: but <laughs> <laughs> what was the gin drink that we made before?
1: Mm. What was the gin drink we made before, Aaron?
0: We've had like three episodes.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it was um, the one. What
0: was it was it the Corpse Reviver? It was the
1: Corpse Reviver had gin in it. I'll we'll just
0: make you more of those. I
1: liked that a lot. I'll go
0: to Walmart and buy some more uh, lemons.
1: Yeah, that was a good drink.
0: You just need
2: something where the gin is not the star.
1: Yeah, yeah, the gin can be. Um, it's an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. So, have you
2: ever had a French seventy-five?
1: I have, and I do like those. Oh,
0: the champagne!
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's one of Natalie's go-to. Doctor Alloy
1: wants to come on the show, um, oh. in December, and do like Christmas cocktails for a December episode. Would
0: that be your thesis episode?
1: Yeah, so the the very last episode in December, we're gonna, we wanna do, we should do it at the speakeasy. Like
0: the speakeasy? Am in I your have? house,
1: yeah, we should do it in your speakeasy.
2: You absolutely should.
1: And uh, and make a thing
2: Is that of it. known to your show that I have a speakeasy in my house, If we announce that?
0: I think we've said it, I think we said it the first episode. Yeah,
1: but just in case did, anybody's okay. like, what the hell? Yeah, the, Aaron and <laughs> Natalie have a speakeasy in their house. And so yeah, we should do, we should celebrate the defending of the thesis and, yeah, Dr. Alloway said uh, she wants to, to come on the show and, and do Christmas cocktails. And I think that would be very cool. So we'll have make a whole thing of it.
0: It would
2: be a lovely celebration to end and a very long co- journey.
1: And I want champagne cocktails. That's, that's what made me think of it was you said French 75 and my brain spun up a little bit. I want to do champagne there's, cocktails.
2: There's some really delicious champagne cocktails.
1: I know and champagne's one of my favorites. So, we'll just I bought
2: a very expensive bottle of champagne today. For, for why? Uh, oh, your anniversary. Thursday, Thursday's our 5th anniversary and so I've decided I haven't told Natalie this, I'm making sure she's not listening. She's upstairs. Yeah, I've decided our new tradition is for every 5th anniversary. You can hear me whispering a little more quietly now. Um we're going to do a bottle of Dom Perignon to celebrate. <gasps> so.
1: That's a very nice bottle of champagne.
2: I've never had it. I've always wanted it, and I figured, what better way to celebrate than than our fifth anniversary, and then every five years from there on.
0: Do you, Do you need any lube for my
1: very nice anniversary, very
0: for fancy my,
2: anniversary? Oh, I was like, I know how to open a bottle of champagne. <laughs> oh, do you need to borrow
0: my saber? <laughs> I, I've always
2: wanted to try to savor a bottle, but we'll we'll use cooks for that. Ah, there you
1: go. Ah, uh,
2: chicken. Um. <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to you about about. It's funny. Um, you know, how do I word this? You know what? I'm not going to. I'll just have to cut this part out.
1: <laughs> we told until it's on air. Yeah, we definitely, whatever you were about to say was not going to get cut out. That's the whole reason we record these things.
2: <laughs> and that's why I stopped myself.
1: <laughs> you know as well.
2: <laughs> Angel is definitely the, the bedroom equipment aficionado.
1: I do what I can.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I know things. I know things. So.
1: Actually, if people are listening to this and they're interested, the host of the other, one of the hosts of the other podcast, actually both of the hosts of the other podcast, one of the other podcasts that we we have, um, the podcast is called Talking About Sex, Tell Me Your Story. And um, they both have um, sex shops. Uh, one of them is here um, in, Linnea Marie is located here in the US and Kalandra Belfer is in the UK. And so they're both know, they, leaps and bounds more about bedroom gear than I ever will. Um, so they're really the experts.
2: We all have to have a hobby.
1: I know, right? They're,
2: some they're, people's are just more fun than others. I was going
1: to say some of us just picked really fun gigs
0: to go into.
2: And on that note, I'm I always make my wife our anniversary gift and year five is wood, so I have to go back to my wood shop and finish
0: Oh, hold on. I'm going to play I'm going to play gift. two things for you and I want you to tell me which one better represents this drink, all right?
2: Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I was quietly listening
0: Oh, okay So that's the first one And the second one is what's it gonna be? So, which one is Is the more gin and tonic song?
2: Who was that? Was that the boss song? Big Bad
1: Voodoo Daddy. No, that was Cherry Pop and Daddy's. Oh, shit. No, it was Cherry Pop and Daddy's. I got it wrong.
2: Uh, So, we were all wrong.
1: No, Steve was right, but he cheated. He knew.
2: (laughs) I would... Well, considering you're talking about the Karma Sutra, I wouldn't go with either one, but that's just me. (laughs) But which
1: one's the more gin and tonic song?
2: Well, not the one about Hanukkah.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say... Cherry Pop and Daddies. Cherry Pop and Daddies, just by the name of the band, is more Kama Sutra esque than anything Adam Sandler's ever done.
0: Kama Sutra seems pretty um, advanced for any cherries <laughs> to be present. Although that <laughs> so is I was gonna say that. Yeah.
2: But I was also reading that that it's so much more than just about sex and sexual positions. It really was an interesting read that I stumbled upon earlier today as I was again trying to prepare for this. But I'm sure you'll cover that in your
1: we will. We will cover Wait, that. When
0: you're trying to prepare for this segment or your anniversary.
2: It's fantastic. Just very well played, Steve.
1: <laughs> He's so proud of himself. <laughs> 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 All right. That is such a good note to go out on. Aaron, thank you so much for your time. And I want to thank you for the drink, but I just can't muster that as an honest uh, gesture. And so, uh, but Steve seems happy with his and to everyone else who loves gin and tonic, this is not me yucking your yum. It's just not my yum. So if you do like a gin and tonic, Hendrix Lunar Gin is 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 a pretty tasty gin as gins come. So
2: And I go for either one of our manifest gins made here in downtown Jacksonville.
0: Hey, is there any um, preference on tonics?
2: All right. So there's, there's a few different ones out there. I mean, there's a lot. I don't have any one that I go to. Again, I usually go with a tonic syrup. Instead um, of a tonic water.
0: I think I bought a tonic syrup from the St. Augustine distillery once.
2: That's who got me turned on to tonic syrup.
1: Yeah. You bought it for them. We bought them a gift. That's and true. we okay, bought yeah, them tonic yeah. syrup as like a gift one time. Um, he got us a fever tree um, mm-hmm. tonic water. And I
0: bought it just because it's premium Indian tonic water. And so, mm, Even though it's from the which UK. Which brings
2: us back full circle you're welcome.
1: Yes. Thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Go finish. Although if you were going to give your wife wood for anniversary, I mean, the jokes just write themselves there. So, you know.
2: It, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's not going to be anything that exciting. I want it to be something she can pass on to our kids. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, all right. Yes. So you have a good night. Happy anniversary to both of you. Thank you for this. And uh, we will talk to you on the next one.
2: All right. Love you guys. Love
1: you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: I um, I like the dog which way.
1: (laughs) My dog did that?
0: Well, my my dog (laughs) did that. (laughs)
1: Our dog did that? Well, because Cody always makes an appearance.
0: Oh, that's true. No, Cody's
1: not here. (laughs) I didn't know know if you remembered Cody making noise from like when we recorded with Aaron. So we've time traveled a little bit. Um, We don't always record. Aaron segments on the same days and times that we record the rest of the show and so um we don't always remember what gets said um on those so when we listen back it's like a fun treat for us too (laughs) because we're drinking with Aaron and whatever then we forget and then we're back like oh that happened so I thought maybe you were talking about something Cody did
0: nope I um I guess we should apologize that this episode's coming out a little late we got sick
1: yeah um I have I don't know if you can still hear it in my voice, but I have a bit of a head cold. It's not covid, which is nice. We did um listeners know we had that at one point, and that almost killed us, but it didn't it
0: didn't yeah that's it was really that's a very serious thing it
1: was actually really <laughs> bad. It didn't almost kill us. I don't know i I don't know. it was really, really we would
0: bad. have gone to the hospital. If, if we hadn't been, if COVID hadn't been going on, and we felt like we did, we would have been at the hospital. But you can't go to the hospital right now.
1: Yeah, so I, it was really bad. Okay, no, it did almost kill us, but it, it was it was really bad. Uh, but no, I just have a I have a pretty wicked head cold, and <clears throat> I was not in any state to record a couple of days ago. So we're recording a little bit late, but um, you're still going to get all the fun yummy, juicy goodness of the show. Uh, So today, Kama Sutra. Kama Sutra is um, really like, we've been spending a lot of time talking about, discussing, considering the Kama Sutra as an organization lately. Tickle.life recently launched an artistic project in the NFT world where they, uh, where we are, um, we've worked with a bunch of artists from all over the world To, um, the artists have each taken different poses from the Kama Sutra, from the sex part of the Kama Sutra and reimagined them in their own way with their own style of erotic art. And the project is called Carnal Chemistry and it's very, very cool. Um, and it's really an opportunity. It's really been an opportunity to, um, explore the connections between art and sexuality and kind of give some life to the ways that the Kama Sutra is really about pleasure and really about this sensory, like intense, sensual experience and not just about like when we think about sex, especially from like an American perspective, sex is very like procreative and a little like tends on the boring side, honestly. And um, there's a lot of Puritan roots to how we conceptualize sex here in the US. And so getting to see all this global perspective from different um, really cool artists on, on sex and on sensuality and fantasy has been a really neat thing. So if you go to carnalchemistry.xyz. You'll see more about the project and see more about the art and get to just hear a little bit more about the history of kind of what that is. But that inspired us to do an episode on the Kama Sutra and feature some of the history of the thing and some of our takes on it. So, um, so yeah.
0: It's been a really cool project. Like if you go to Tickle.life, um, there's video interviewing some of the artists and everything, and they're all really cool. Like, yeah. they're from all over the place. Uh, we have one person from Turkey, somebody from India, somebody from
1: There's like, I think, Spain. S- France, Spain, one person from here in the US. Um, Yeah, I don't remember, I think Russia, maybe. I don't yes. remember where everybody's uh, from. Yeah. yeah, if you listen to, if you go to tickle.life, Uh, slash podcasts, and you listen to the uh, Sexual Wellness Startup podcast, the only episode that's out right now is an interview with some, not all of, some of the artists. So you can kind of hear from them. And then, yeah, if you go to um, the Carnal Chemistry page, you can like see videos from the artists and so it's really 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 a neat project so yeah we'll put all the links in the show notes so you guys can see all that um but yeah so let's a little bit back to the Kama Sutra so the Kama Sutra was written between what did we say 400 and 600 BC uh 80. AD. AD, that's yep. what I said yeah AD.
0: Jesus we're not exactly sure because we're not exactly sure when the author lived
1: mm-hmm. or
0: anything about them
1: yeah, he his, uh, Vatsyayana is the author. Well, he so he didn't all, like he didn't not all of the writings in the Kama Sutra originated with him. Like he describes it as like a compilation text where he is putting together like sacred teachings from other um sources into kind of one guide and then he offers sort of his commentary and like elaborates on it is sort of what it was.
0: So what you're saying is like the Kama Sutra is like a sex oriented lit review?
1: A little bit. I, I guess. mean who
0: does that? <laughs>
1: Uh, and my thesis is a lit review. Um, it's a BDSM lit review. So we'll we'll do an episode on it and that will be, I hope, fun. Um, but yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'll be out in like a month.
1: Yeah. So I think um yeah, I just I just turned in my thesis. So yay, getting good feedback. Um, okay. So which is probably why I'm a little loopy, so um Sorry if this is like not the most coherent podcast episode that you ever get from us, but hopefully it'll still be fun. Okay, so Kama Sutra is, it's 1,250 verses, seven parts, 36 chapters. Something that a lot of people don't know is that only 20% of it is actually about sex. Mm-hmm. Like the other 80% of the text is about, it's like a life guide. Yeah. So um, stuff like, I uh, like how to be like proper conduct in public, how to make money, how to find a wife, how to hit on someone else's wife, Um, how to like acquire knowledge. Like generally there's like a lemonade recipe in there. like true story. Um,
0: the correct ways to sow your garden, like how far apart and what types of things you should plant next to each other. How to teach parrots to talk. Is oh, in there? No way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I haven't found it yet, but yeah, according to the, like I read this write up from this scholar who really like, did a deep dive into it, and yeah, there's apparent apparently in there. So that's my my hunt is to figure out what what the Kama Sutra says about how to teach parrots to talk. Um, but yeah, it's it's really like this this whole text is it, we get really stoked about this little like sex part, but the whole book is it's kind of wild. Like it's a it's this ancient sacred text, and it's really, really famous for the sex positions because I don't know. I don't know I mean, there's like a little bit of the Bible has like, I mean, the Song of Solomon is very sexy. Mm-hmm. um, but it's not comma Sutra level sexy. Like it's not like a manual. You know what I mean? It's like a it's like a very lusty love poem, yeah, but it's not like there there is sex in the Bible, mm-hmm. but it's not the same like way that we see it. And I'm not like saying the Kama Sutra is the Bible. I'm just saying like, when we think about like these ancient texts, these sacred texts, these historical documents that we sort of, um, they get, they get like passed down through the ages. And and I just think like what there, I can't think of anything else quite like it, which might be why there's such a fascination to it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Because most of what you see otherwise is, uh, heavy on the the euphemisms. Yeah. And this book does have a lot of fun euphemisms. Um,
1: what was the one we were like laughing about yesterday? Uh, um,
0: it, it was talking about, um, it was giving an example of the language that the book might use when uh, talking about lesbian relationships. And like, t-
1: like a woman going down another woman.
0: Yeah. Th- it would be um, if she were to, Uh, kiss her goatee and grab her by the chin.
1: And and yeah, and that was like a crotch, like pubic hair, like vulva reference. And it's just a, okay, so yeah, most of the book is not about sex. Uh, So let's just do, we will talk about the sex stuff. Cause I mean, honestly, why are you listening to an episode of anything about the Kama Sutra unless you want to hear about the sex stuff. But I do just think like some of the rest of it is also just really like fun. And like, it
0: is a little wild. Um, I had actually pitched the idea yesterday when we were talking about this in <laughs> the car that we don't talk about the sex stuff at all at <laughs> on the episode. Just because the rest of it is so much more interesting.
1: It is It is interesting. Um, it is, uh, I'm just like flipping to like a random page. So we went out yesterday and bought a, a, a copy of the Kama Sutra. This one is translated by Alan Danilou, Danilou. Um, so there are there is there is some controversy over different translations. The very, very, very first translation into English is the one that scholars like the least. I guess it was like really heavily biased by the guy who did it. Um, this translation is really, really cool. This says it's the first unabridged modern translation of it. I don't know enough about all the different translations available, but I do know that there's a lot of really neat, uh, translator commentary in with it. So you get the verses of the Kama Sutra and then the translator kind of does his best to explain what's going on and kind of give you some context, which is really fun. Yeah, I
0: would say about two thirds of the book is commentary.
1: Yeah, so it's it is um, the we'll all we'll do a link to the version we have, but we got it at like a used bookstore. There were a few copies there. So I'm, I'm certain it won't be hard to find. So, this one is on acquiring a wife. This is in part three, which is on acquiring a wife, how to manage a loan. So, how to manage a loan was like the, if you didn't have a helper helping you find a wife and you were doing it on your own. And so, verse 35 says, according to Vatiyayana, at times and places when women show they're ready to surrender, one should never retract. And the commentary from the the author or from the translators, uh, after having tested the woman's feelings many times, when during a religious or other kind of festival, she gives you a sign, you must not reverse your policy. So, um, don't you can't, once you've started the chase, mm-hmm. you're in. You mm-hmm. can't change your mind. If, due to lack of money or some other reason, you're unable to manage alone to unite with a girl who is enamored of you, she in turn will change her mind. It is known. As a change of direction in changing her attitude, she will turn her back on you. So, what are the reasons for breaking off? Um, and then the rest of it follows things that might reasons a, a girl might change her mind. Um, but yeah, so this is the kind uh, of
0: actually go go to the beginning of this um, of how to manage alone because this is what I was reading to you uh, yesterday. In, in the yeah, oh no, uh, yesterday uh, when we were sitting in that parking lot. Um, I think it might be on the next page.
1: He puts puts his arm lightly around her as previously described to make her understand his intentions. He shows her cutouts representing copulation. He shows her geese and other animals making love. Oh, that's right. We did talk about this. Sometimes he shows her other things such as erotic paintings and other objects. Gradually, her curiosity is aroused and she is no longer bothered by their obscenity. So to make, to get a woman to be interested and to like hint that you're interested in sex. The advice here is to show her pictures of animals having sex.
0: Oh no, go look at animals having sex. Oh,
1: go watch animals, like go to the zoo. Yeah. So go to the zoo or look at erotic paintings. Yes. And I like, first I had a giggle at this. Like it was funny to see this as advice, but okay, like real talk, I have, definitely given the advice to people that if if they are interested in engaging in a fantasy and don't know how to talk about it with their partner to find like porn or erotica of that fantasy and like check it out together and kind of softball in to see like kind of field out like, okay, how does my partner feel about this fantasy when they, um, that way it's not personal. Cause we have a lot of, there's a lot of pressure um, to just say like, oh, I'm really into this. Some people feel very comfortable being that directed. Like, I'm really, really into this. I wanna do this thing. And other people are like really worried about the rejection or really worried that their partner might say yes, because it's them, but not because they're super into it. And so like, oh, we'll watch a porn about that together and see if the porn feels like sexy to them and then kind of go from there. you know, whatever. So, this isn't unlike that advice.
0: No, they just no. didn't have the internet in yes. uh, 400 go, CE.
1: Go to the go to the zoo, watch animals have sex,
0: waggle your eyebrows,
1: <laughs> and be like, "Hey, baby, want to do it?" What is that song? "You and Me, Baby," yeah. ain't um, nothing. Bloodhound Gang. Yeah, is that is is, that, is it
0: Bloodhound Gang? That's the band, right?
1: That sings that song. I think so. Is it? Let's oh, look that that. Up.
0: Unlike uh, Vatsayana, I have the entirety of the world's knowledge in my pocket. Uh, Bloodhound Gang, American rock band, uh, rapcore, funk metal, right? Sure. Was it called The Bad Touch?
1: I don't know. I don't remember what it was called. I just remember the lines of it. Mothered, like house, browns, yes. Of FedEx, name, that song. How much of that can we play without getting dinged?
0: I think seven seconds.
1: Okay. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this is just uh like, hey, hey, baby, look at how hot these geese are doing the birds having sex is not sexy. Like it's interesting that like the example. I don't know if he shows her geese and other animals making love. I don't know if that commentary, like that's okay, that line is commentary from the translator.
0: Yeah, read the actual line again.
1: The actual line again says, to make her understand his intentions, he shows her cutouts representing copulation. And then the next verse is, sometimes he also shows her other things.
0: And the translator took from that line of watch actual animals like geese. Have sex.
1: But I don't think he he means go watch animals. He says he shows her cutouts representing copulation. I think it's pictures.
0: But what does the translator say?
1: He shows her geese and other animals making love. But I don't know if they mean go to the zoo. I think they mean like pictures of.
0: Okay. We could also Google to see if there's any like paintings out there that people have taken paint to canvas to paint geese having sex sex. which would be readily available without the internet to someone at any given time okay that's fair he probably means go to the zoo okay
1: so such as erotic paintings or other objects i want to know what the other objects might be like phallically shaped things like here like let me stroke this cucumber Mm -hmm. or let me like erotically eat this banana like so he's basically saying like flirt But do it in like a, like put like sex imagery around you while you're flirting. Mm -hmm. And like that sex imagery will eventually like wink, wink, nod, nod, like put her in the mood to do the sex with you is the advice. Yes. (laughs) It's so good. Um, And then it goes on and says, um, while bathing... So this is verse six, while bathing, he dives some way off and then draws near to her and touches her before emerging while underwater, he touches her and then comes up beside her. So that while underwater, that part was commentary. Um, That is a scene from the Claire Danes, Leonardo DiCaprio, Romeo and Juliet, where they like kiss underwater and Mm -hmm. come up. Like that is that scene. Fusha.
0: Yeah, I think it was also in Showgirls. It was uh, Kyle MacLachlan and Elizabeth Berkley did that.
1: Oh my God, I've never seen Showgirls. I hate saying that, admitting that, but that's now I really want to watch it. Oh, I I didn't know Kyle MacLachlan was in it.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's like uh, he's like the main dude. But yeah, I celebrate Paul Verhoeven's entire catalog. Is that the director? Yeah, yeah, he did like RoboCop.
2: It feels right.
0: He's he's famous for um, almost all of his movies when he submits them to the MPAA, getting them rated NC seventeen. Okay, including like RoboCop and um, Starship Troopers. Okay, yeah, and then he just has to like kind of br- pull them back a little bit uh, to rated R. Okay, yeah.
1: Rob Zombie does that too. Okay, yeah,
0: yeah. Rob Zombie's like Paul Verhoeven.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that comparison gets made all the time. Yes,
0: Rob um. Zombie is just Paul Verhoeven and Macho Man cosplay.
1: <laughs> <I guess. laughs> oh, please don't write us angry letters, Rob Zombie.
0: Write us any letters, Rob Zombie.
1: That's true. Hi Rob Zombie, are you listening to my podcast? I love you.
0: <laughs> We're going to I mean, we'll we'll probably miss it. We're going to get so inundated with angry letters just about pineapple pizza. Mm,
1: um, okay. So, okay. At Here's another one. It says, "Uh at the theater or during family reunions." He comes and sits next to her and finds some pretext for touching her. Okay. At this is the line from Vatsyayana. Verse 10 says, at the theater or during family reunions, he sits next to her and finds some pretext for touching her. Let's just like dissect that for like a quick minute. So, who comes to family reunions? What do you mean? Who is at a family reunion? If your you-
0: family. Oh. Mm. Oh no, they actually do refer to that earlier. Hold on, let me find <laughs> it. Um, it there, there's a part of here that talks about uh, if you are if you don't have parents and you are left to live with like your rich uncle that you're super unfortunate because you're going to have to try to find a way to woo your uncle's daughter. Oh. Yeah.
1: Okay, so yeah. that's why at the theater or a family reunion, you know, the two places you pick up chicks, yeah. theaters and family reunions.
0: You you find a, pre- a pretext <laughs> to touch them like, hey, uh, the tag of your shirt's out, like type of thing. You
1: have, you have shmooze on your face. Yeah. Let me wipe it off. You've got an eyelash. <laughs> Listen, I mean, these are, n- okay. It's not that these are not common, like flirting techniques, but like... I do think the context of family reunion.
0: Well, I mean, also, um, maybe doesn't hold up. Well, it might not also be the context of family reunion. Like we think about it today, like a family reunion. He might be talking about like a wedding or a birthday or something like that. Like any
1: occasion where where the family gathers. Well, it does say at receptions or family reunions receptions he places himself close to the girl he's always beside her at the theater and takes advantage of the fact in order to touch her so it's like that's like like that that move that like the, the like common teen romance move where you're at the theater and you do the big yawn and you stretch your arms out and then you sort of lean over put your arm around the person and then like slide your arm from the shoulder to the boob and like see how much boob you can get in like the move. Yeah. Like that's, the, that's what this is. This is like ancient description of like teen movie flirting. Like just do the big yawn, scooch in, arm around the girl, cop a feel.
0: Yeah, you know, what I'm thinking now is um, uh, coming back to the NFT project, um, you know, we you said that uh, they're doing the sex position part of it. Mm. I would like to see the rest of this book turned into like a Sunday comic strip. Yeah. Like a Zitz or Kathy type thing. Like, like
1: Like a like, family circus.
0: Like somebody in <laughs> 2021 stumbling their way through courtship, following the, Kama Sutra, the, the advice. Kama Sutra ancient text advice.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So artists out there, this is your call to action.
0: Yes. We will pay you <laughs> no money for this. Yes. No,
1: we will be happily interested in your output though. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's kind of the rest of it. Oh, this one's fun. Um, okay. So imagine then that we're at the theater We've done the the stretch move. She finds herself with no defense. Squeezed against him, he presses his leg against hers. This is a little, like that line feels a little like consent questionable. Like putting her in a position where she feels like she can't get away from you.
0: That's also a big theme of this book.
1: Is like putting women in a situation where they can't get away. And so they sort of acquiesce.
0: Yes, but also to a a, a, a different type of uh, way of looking at that, where even if they are consenting, there is a um, an element of consensual non-consent to how the women are expected to play their part. Yes, yeah, so
1: there's this like guidance to say no first, even if you're really into it.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's there's definite rules of specifically how to play hard to get
1: yeah okay so so it's not that she doesn't want it. She's just in a position where
0: it's all part of the dance.
1: It's very um yeah okay so i don't I don't love it from no. like a this isn't like textbook consent or anything, but again, like it. it it's some gray area, which I'm not a fan of. Okay, but then he says, uh, "Then it says this is still Vatsyayana. This is still the the, uh, the the text. It says then gradually he touches one of her fingers. So again, it's like very subtle. It's very like our hands are in the popcorn together, and they like. Do you need to get something to drink?
0: I took a sip of very flat warm cherry coke just now and made a face. God
1: bless America. Nobody made you do that.
0: I didn't know that's what it was. You poured it. I poured you a Coke hours ago. I didn't know this was the same one.
1: (laughs) Well, here we are. (laughs) Okay. So it says he gradually touches one of her fingers. um, Very gently. The the subtext from the translator. Very gently. After a while. So like you're in the movie, you've done the like move and your leg is sort of like touching her a little bit. And like, she's sort of in this little, like, trap you've made where like her arm is your arm is around her shoulder and I guess like it's not aggressive so I guess like she could just get up and walk away but there's some social niceties involved whatever so here's the thing and then like she's got her popcorn bucket and she reaches into the popcorn and then you reach in after and like you just like graze her finger like okay oh. yeah So after like, a while after very gently yeah. after a while but then here's where it gets really good he scratches the tip Of her big toenail. Natch. (laughs) I love how very gently after a while goes where finger touching is. But not where toenail touching is. Like that doesn't need any extra guidance. Just figure it out. Play it by ear. Wing it. But when the time feels right. Scratch the tip of her big toenail. Having done this. He draws his leg higher up hers so he's like rubbing his leg against hers and like scratching her toenail like i can't like is he leaned over and like
0: is he scratching her toenail with his toenail
1: or with his finger it doesn't say it just says he scratches the tip of her big toenail but we don't know with what
0: well, I mean, you're at a movie. Uh, Is it like
1: c- footsie? Is he playing footsie with her? Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. I'm going to guess it's footsie. I'm going to guess he's that, that gets like, like, kind of do a little like foot rub and then kind of rub your leg up on her. And like, we've, I mean, God, if you've ever played footsie with a crush at the movie theater, you've done this exact move. Yeah. Right. So it's just, it's worded in like a little bit of a creepy pickup artist kind of way, but it's like a pretty standard. I'm feeling it out move. And then you kind of see, like, does she rub back? You know, does the other person kind of respond? Like, I really, really remember going to the movies to see Titanic with a super duper mega crush of mine and like taking forever to get to the handholding point of the, of the date, because I just like really wasn't sure about like who was making first moves. And I don't remember how it started, but it like who started it, but it did start with like sharing an armrest and then you're like brushing fingers. And then mm-hmm. eventually there's like fingers entwining. And by the time we got to the handholding stage, I think we were both terrified that if we stopped holding hands, we wouldn't know how to re-engage with handholding. Mm-hmm. And I remember by the end of the movie, my hand was so itchy and sweaty because mm-hmm. I really needed to not be holding hands with someone else because that much human contact for, like Titanic is a very long movie. And I just remember we both ended with like the sweatiest hands, but we held hands the whole movie because neither one of us knew what we were doing. And I just, I'm picturing this awkward, like, But then I'm also imagining because the advice is do it at the theater or at a family reunion. And so I'm now imagining the same awkward energy, but like at my aunt's birthday, Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm.
1: you know, (laughs) and like we're all sitting around the table at my aunt's birthday eating tapas and like, and then I'm like crushing on like what my fucking cousin. Like, what is that? Sorry, Aaron. Like, I, (laughs) but like, honestly, like the context is so interesting. Because that's, you know, the advice.
0: (laughs) Sorry. (sighs) It's funny that you say that it reads like um, a pickup artist type thing. Because think of in any way in America in 2021, if you were to read, if somebody were to write out the ceremony and hold hands for the whole Titanic, you know, calves touch to knees touch type thing if somebody were to write that out from the dude's point of view, (laughs) it's really hard to not make that sound like a pickup artist type thing. Even if you are just like doing, if you're doing a, even if like this guy doing a lit review (laughs) uh, saying, here's what all of our culture has written on this. And I'm just kind of putting it all into one book. Um, it, it just, it's hard to not read that way, especially with what we think we know about this author is that um, he was, like, very monastic and never had sex. Some
1: people call him, like, Saint Batsyana. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Never had sex. Probably no romantic relationship at all.
1: Yeah. That's, like, speculation. It's very hard to, like, just for the record, it's very hard to, like, confirm that. But, like, there's a few sources that suggest that he was, like, a, a monk, basically.
0: And so... Bring that to 2021, not talking about monks or anything, but the type of person you imagine writes the pickup artist type things. <laughs>
1: it's like somebody who's not like an incel, who's like not having any sex. And it was, I know, it does. Um, it's interesting because like he learned, actually, I kind of got a little bit of like a Masters and Johnson vibe from what I learned about the guy. Okay. Less and less. I mean, this reads a little, like, you're right. It would be very hard to write this and not have it sound a little... Suspect, but um, a lot of what he learned about like this, especially the sex part of it and the dating part of it, he learned from just like watching other people like, mm. and so I, I, and I know that that's like, we know that that's how Masters, Dr. Masters learned about sex, uh, Masters of Masters and Johnson. There was a lot of the like early experimentation and early research into human sexuality um, from the team Um, was Masters and Johnson watching people have sex. And at the earliest part, it was like him at a brothel watching sex workers, watching uh, sex workers have sex. And uh, Vatsyana did something really similar. And so he, or at least that's the the legend, is that he like, and there's like stuff in here about like, he says like prostitutes, but about sex workers. And there's stuff in here about like transgender folks. And there's stuff in here about,
0: Transgender prostitute.
1: Transgender, yeah, sex workers. And again, like the language is ancient, so he'll say like transvestite prostitute and that kind of thing, because that's
0: like the language is just really different then, but... Well, that's the translator's language.
1: But the... Tra- yeah, but... E- yeah. yeah. The, but he's basing it on... I mean, there wasn't just... It's hard to... they One of the biggest challenges the translator had, and he talks about this in the intro, is there's not direct... Sanskrit to English like translations for a lot of this stuff Mm -hmm. and so that's why there's so much commentary of like I'm gonna put this out there and then do my best to like contextualize it for you it's like this is so we're just like really counting on the guy to just be honest with us about his understanding and he's just doing his best but yeah I imagine that's why it's not like language that I would use if I was talking about the same population of people but it's not disrespectful language either necessarily it's mm-hmm. just the the but yeah so there's a lot of stuff in here um it's it, the book is both has like that weird pickup artist vibe. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is like culturally, um, when we contextualize it into like these ancient cultures, you know, it makes sense. And then also there's like a lot of really progressive stuff happening in this text for being as old as it was. And again, like talking about queer sexuality and talking about um, sex work and talking about, there's a lot of the sex stuff really, really prioritizes the pleasure of women. And so there's a lot of encouraging teaching men. So a bulk of it is writing to men and women in like, heterosexual exchanges. Um, so not all of it, but a big bulk of it. And so a lot of it is like he's writing to men about teaching them to, like, make a woman come before you do and prioritizing the woman's pleasure and that kind of thing. So in that way, it's like I one of the scholars I read described the text as feminist. And I don't know if I could read the entire text as feminist, but mm-hmm. I think if you are contextualizing it, you can see the argument for that, um, both in like a lot of the writing about like lesbian love and a lot of the writing about like prioritizing pleasure in general, like just the, pri- just prioritizing like sex as not being about baby making mm-hmm. is already a more feminist read on sex. Sure. And so, um,
0: but but yeah, it's it's good it's good to uh, that we kind of pull back a little bit and and start looking at the whole themes of the book because uh, this first thirty eight minutes of the podcast have uh, literally been on a random page that we flipped to.
1: Yeah, and we yeah. could have
0: done this half hour on any random page that we flipped to because it's all wild.
1: It is. It yeah. is really wild, and we wanted to be care- like we really talked about like being careful to not our intention is definitely not to be disrespectful to the text, but like taking this like life and romance manual. So Kama Sutra means, um, so Kama means desire and Sutra is the thread that holds things together. together. So this is about like the, like taking your desire and like integrating it into your life and like the things that would bring all of that together for you. And so it's like a life guide with desire and eroticism and, um, sexuality kind of adds its focus. But it's not, again, there's like a thing in here about lemonade and talking mm-hmm. parrots. So it's not, it's very interesting. But yeah, um, I don't remember I was going with that.
0: Yeah, th- this is like, um, I guess kind of looking at life from the point of view of desire, but still how it fits into the rest of the things. Because in the intro, I think they were talking about, it, it looks at the three aspects of, I guess in this case, what you could call like a virtuous life there's the kama the dharma and and something else it's
1: it's four it's dharma kama artha and moksha so dharma means virtuous living kama means desire artha means material prosperity and moksha means liberation and so those are the four goals for life is dharma kama artha and moksha
0: and the dharma the virtuous living is kind of like your responsibility towards others in society right yes
1: Mm -hmm. yeah um i actually learned that from watching dharma and (laughs) greg So, really? Yeah, because there's like an episode where she plays her name. <laughs> so, um, okay. So yeah, uh, it, the book is um, the sex stuff and the rest of the book. There's a lot of sexual scripting, um, and so it's scripts on um, not just like sex, but intimacy. They do. They talk about like motionless sex. So it's really cool because the definition of what sex is is really broad. Um, When we think about sex from a a Western perspective, um, again, very puritanical roots, very procreative, very heteronormative. It's very like a penis goes in a vagina.
0: Well, um, I was just reading this thing that said that we uh, describe it as uh, anything that uh, like has inherent risk, like uh, STIs, pregnancies, that, oh, that was your thesis I was reading. (laughs) That was like page three uh, <laughs> defining what sex is. Yes. Yeah. Anything
1: with, yeah. So, so yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I made a face at him. I was like, well, you're talking about me. um Okay. Yeah. So, sex, anything that's like the CDC public health, what is sex is like risk, anything that, that has risk, but it's, it's usually like a penis going in some body part. And then it it's over when the person with the penis has an ejaculation, like that's sex. And the common switch is like, no, like sex is not that. I mean, yeah, there's some of that for sure, but there's, it's not so heavily focused on your genitals. I mean, the fucking scratch the toenail thing, like there's stuff about like, um, your fingernails and stuff about, kissing and biting and moaning and they do talk about how like oral sex is like this thing that should be avoided but then immediately go on to describe in detail how to do it and get a lot of pleasure from it um so it's funny like the contradictions between like it's funny the contradictions between like social norms and like pleasure guide it's like okay the social norm is don't do this however if you were gonna do it like, this is how one might go about
0: that. Um, That's like that chapter on uh, picking up a married woman. Like, the first yeah. half of it is why you shouldn't do it and why she'll probably say no. And then the second half is, and here's how you do and it. And here's
1: how you do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, and so yeah, the book is full of these, like, interesting contradictions um, between social norms and pleasure. Um, so, so, it sort of does acknowledge, like there's like this balance between kind of understanding what's expected understanding what your role kind of is and then okay if you're going to step outside of that that's what this looks like and it's really interesting to think about it from that lens um but one of the the intimacy things cuz again it, it yeah sex is like bodies but there's also like this the stuff on like staring into each other's eyes and like just being close with each other and like that's part of sex is this like motionless existence or coexistence and it's not the same. Like the Kama Sutra is not like tantric sex. Like that's a different thing. And some people confuse them and, and think that, Oh, like it's the same thing and it's not like when we think about tantric sex, sex, think about like sting, the stuff sting is really into like mm-hmm. tantric sex, but this is different. This is, um. but there is a piece of it that is uh. they describe it as like very yogic and very like, like full presence and the kind of and intentional breathing and intentional like sharing of the space and so there's a yoga to it um which is really cool so yeah i don't know i just was i thought that was um that is a really progressive view on sex and it's not there's also a lot of history of that that i guess that used to be very uh celebrated that that was a big celebrated part of the culture was Mm -hmm. like this very rich um like art depicted sex a lot and and even throughout Europe and even through, I mean, it wasn't just in India, it was all over the world. Um, Sex and bodies and sensuality and eroticism were a big part of literature, a big part of poetry, a big part of uh, how people engaged for fun. Um, And then there was this like throughout time, just these cultural shifts where we've created this stigma and we've created this um, shame around eroticism and around bodies and around pleasure. And we've destroyed, cult, you know, humans have destroyed the temples where these paintings were on the walls and we've hidden these things away and we've burned the books and we've, um, you know, we shadow ban, uh, you know, erotic cre- er, you know, sexuality creators on the internet. And so um, it's, I don't know all of the reasons that, that happened, but I know it's rooted in colonialism mm-hmm. and it's rooted in this th- that like very plague-like spread of um a certain version of Christianity sort of across the globe mm-hmm. um and that that had a lot to do with it um but we just are still feeling the the effects of wiping out like this beautiful rich history like across cultures of celebrating sexuality and
0: Yeah, um, there's no question about it that it was directly connected to the British colonialization of India and India is still feeling the effects of it today. There's still like legislation being passed, you know, reversing a lot of the things that were made illegal uh, under, you know, centuries of British rule and everything. Uh, I actually uh, found this fun trivia that uh, the Kama Sutra was banned until like 50 years ago in the UK.
1: Oh, wow. I yeah, it was know
0: uh, when they passed that legislation because of um, D.H. Lawrence.
1: Oh. Uh
0: Kama Sutra got rolled in with that. Okay. But it wasn't a banned book anymore.
1: Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. I love good banned book history, too. Yep. So, oh, all right. Awesome. Um,
0: I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, we're saying how this is very progressive. And, and they do talk... It's, it is it is a fairly heteronormative work, but they do spend time talking about um, both men having sex with men and women having sex with women, homosexual, and um, cross-dressing, and prostitution and everything. And none of that is derogatory. Mm-hmm. Like this, this book is all... It's, it, very, it, it's, it's not really celebratory in any way. It's just matter either. of fact. Yeah, it's yeah, very, just it's like, just, this is
1: a thing and this is how it happens. Yeah, it's
0: just kind of an instruction book and everything. And... Um, for us living where we are today and the time that we are, that is, you know, very, very progressive. Uh, There are also like heavily conservative views yes. in, in this book. Like, yes, it, and it's just indicative of the time. Like, I, I don't know if I would say this was, I don't know if it was a, a, a particularly progressive book of its day.
1: Yeah. Uh, or it know. might have
0: just been, you know, a thing. Yeah. Chicken soup. For the sex, I don't know, yeah,
1: but yeah, there's definitely like we've talked about like the like really heavy um gender role stuff, like how how is appropriate for men to treat women and that kind of thing, like really conservative uh, slants on those things. and,
0: yeah, and um it's uh, it's all really matter of fact, too, like uh, th- they talk about this book is written towards people of all like, social standings and so there's whole chapters taken out on you know if you don't have money uh, the chapter that we were reading out of is how to make it a loan you know actually when you first said said it, i thought you were saying managing a loan
1: oh no which i
0: think is one of the last chapters <laughs> this is how to handle
1: <laughs> financial t- t- planning t-
0: taking money out uh borrowing <laughs> money and everything but they also talk about like if you are from class and wealth and everything but it, it is like pretty uh not progressive for us in a way where you know, all these efforts that the man should be putting into the woman is only if the woman is worth it. Type yes, thing.
1: in describing like who the who a, what a woman is like, if she's worth the effort, you know, pretty pretty she is and how does she come from wealth and yeah. that kind of thing. Of, of like
0: good breed, <laughs> breeding <laughs> face and breast or something. Yes. And then once they are married, like there are very specific roles for the women, you know, staying at home, being deferential to the husband, treating the husband, if he is unto a God, uh, how to take care of the garden and everything. And so like real, real, uh, you can't even call it conservative thinking anymore. It's, it's it's, it's
1: it's very, um, it's ancient. I mean, it's an ancient text and it's ancient ideas about relationships and about, um, masculinity and femininity and, um, so it's but it's interesting to see the juxtaposition yes. of um of these these concepts and these this kind of setting of these expectations. But then at the same time, like having this the sex guide. And maybe that maybe that's part of why the sex guide has stood the test of time a little bit differently than the rest of the book. Is the the sex stuff. There's a lot of fun stuff in here about how to have fun sex, you know, it's more, and
0: more universality.
1: Yeah, it. and and it's um where the rest of it is uh doesn't well, like okay, here's another thing. This isn't necessarily conservative or not conservative, but this reads like a line out of a Gwyneth Paltrow article. It was like this ancient Viagra, and he basically <laughs> like the recipe was. It actually made me think of um. What's the fight milk from? Yeah, yeah from, the
0: power of a crow. The power of a crow. Yeah, it's so from it's always sunny. Yeah, from yeah. it's always
1: sunny in Philadelphia. So it was this this Viagra recipe, and it was sparrow eggs, mm-hmm. milk, butter, and honey. And so you boil the sparrow eggs in the milk, and then you mix in the butter and honey and drink it. And that was supposed to be. And there was like, I want to be very clear. There's no scientific basis. Leave the sparrows alone. Like there is, but but that was the. Um, that was like, so that, you know, uh, I mean,
0: on the surface, it's just a solid macronutrient mix of you're getting all your proteins, carbs <laughs> and fats right there in one cool, fight milk. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool creamy treat on a hot day that that Ooh, really helps you out in bed. Um, no, my favorite was, uh, the recipe for how to make your lips red. If, uh, if they weren't, if they were like too pale. And it was um, taking the sweat from the testicles of a white horse (laughs) and mixing it like one to 25 parts with arsenic and putting that on your lips and and your lips will be red.
1: Okay, but for real though, this idea of like small amounts of poison in cosmetics is also not like isolated to the Kama Sutra. Like, yeah, like um, I was listening to. um,
0: But that also infers like an insane volume of white horse testicle sweat. Yes. Yeah.
1: You, well, there's a lot to unpack oh, in sure. that suggestion. Yeah. Um, What if I don't have a white horse? What if it's like a gray horse or...
0: Well, you're going to be a pale-lip bitch.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like, what is it about white horse testicle sweat that is special?
0: It sounds very anecdotal. Like, it worked for him. It,
1: and so, I'm going to write it down. Yeah. And t- And then I want to know how that occurred to him to do. Well, maybe he didn't do it because a lot of the stuff that's in here. Yeah. It's a lit review. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe I don't, yeah. it's, I don't know if that's like the best way to characterize it, but like it is a compilation and, or again, his own observations. So what if they're like, did he watch someone like just ball, like, like cup the balls of a horse and then they just also happen to have arsenic on their hands for whatever reason they did. And then they like wiped their face and then their lips got red. And he was like, Oh, lipstick. Like, I mean, how did like that chain of events happen to like,
0: We we can't (laughs) even agree on what century this guy lives. I think that's lost to history.
1: I just really want to know that that's the comic strip. So if just, if, if the artists have stayed tuned in and anyone's considering a comic strip about this, please write the comic strip where we learned that, I mean, but also like you can buy lip plumpers that have like bee venom in them, mm-hmm. or like is venom the right word? Like bee stings mm-hmm. juice um, in them to like plump your lips. So I, I just feel like it's not. I mean, we've evolved and we haven't. You know, like humanity is interested in being pretty and sexy and will do go to very great lengths to be pretty and sexy. And yep. and um, I honestly think if Gwyneth Paltrow said, "Get white horse." testicle sweat and mix it with a little bit of arsenic and you'll have the perfect like luscious red lips that would be a fucking craze oh yeah oh yeah and like it would please don't do this like i just want to be really clear so nobody sues us or writes us letters we are not do not do this thing don't Don't put arsenic in your face
0: don't uh, parents I know your kids are going to ask for these white horses because they're the next hot thing. <laughs> and then everybody gets these white horses and then nobody wants to keep up with the work of having the white horse. And then they get set out into the wild. They get put into horse mills. Like it, it's just a whole industry that's really just, bad. And yeah, it's, not want, horses, it's not good so, for the horses. So it's just a fad from yes. Gwyneth Paltrow. Don't do it. It's
1: not from Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh my God. Don't write us letters about that either. Gwyneth Paltrow did not suggest this. I think we've said her name too many times now. And like it's like Beetlejuice, something's going to descend on the house. Like no, okay, it, just, it should be really clear. Like none of that was real.
0: You know, on the upside about that whole limp plumper thing, from what I learned, in limp plumper. Flumper.
1: I thought I don't know what I thought you said, l- but limp,
0: limp plumper. Lip, yeah, there you go, lip
1: lip, lip plumper,
0: lip reddener. <laughs> okay. Uh, wh- what I learned in the um in our chainsaws episode that while plumping your lips, it could also maybe cure you of syphilis. From all that arsenic, giving oh, you arsenic a fever. could yeah.
1: cure you of syphilis. Okay, I'm like, hmm. Huh. Okay, remember we we drink, and I don't always remember all the things that we have a good time sharing with each other. So, okay, um, so yeah, so that is. I mean, honestly, we could spend a bunch of episodes talking about the Kama Sutra. It is a pretty fun read. Yeah, um, it is very interesting get yourself a good tra- if you're interested in it get yourself a good translation you can get like illustrated ones if you're looking for illustrated kama sutra check out our nft project check out carnal chemistry um i have and fo- if you follow us on twitter the the carnal chemistry twitter we're going to start doing where we put up different pictures from the project and then have people guess which Kama Sutra pose it's meant to be. Because um, one of the cool things about reading the different poses and reading the different descriptions is if you were then to act it out, you it would be such a different interpretation for each person uh, because we all relate to these sexual descriptions differently and we all have like different things in our head that we're picturing. And so how the artists... Um, like there were a couple times where people like sent in uh, art, but didn't forgot to like name the art after their picture. And so the editor was trying to figure out like which pose the, uh, the thing went with. And it was like surprisingly hard in some cases because of how much room there is for interpretation from what's written in here. And I just think that's maybe the, one of the coolest things about it is it's these it's sexual scripting, but even in, this scripting there is so much room to like kind of make it your own and kind of relate to it in your own way and kind of take take what works for you and leave the rest kind of a thing and so yeah definitely check out that project and check out a copy of the kama sutra and yeah i i don't have i mean i could keep talking cuz i like to talk but good yeah I think we could flip to random page number 2 and just do this and for and like, like hours again. but yeah no so it's fun do the thing check it out And thank you for listening. Is there anything else that we need to cover before we say goodbye to our friends?
0: Nope, I think that's it.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for listening and enjoy your drinks, your gin and tonics. And we will...
0: Gins and tonic. Your
1: gins and tonic, your gin and tonics, your your gins and tonics, um, or whatever you're drinking instead because you don't like gin. Um, And uh, (laughs) we will see y'all on the next one. Bye.